In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I will go to the altar of God. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you despise nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create in us new and contrite hearts, that lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, we may receive from you full pardon and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Our Didache meditations on the Catechism continue throughout Lent, tonight with the Old Testament reading appointed for Ash Wednesday, where we will focus on confession and absolution. And in the remaining weeks, we hear meditations from the Passion of our Lord according to St. Matthew and various parts of the Catechism, Baptism, the Sacrament of the Altar, and the Lord's Prayer. The prophet Joel writes in chapter 2, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Lent means spring, but you would hardly know it 
by the look outside today. But the church year was formed not only by the events of the Old Testament calendar, which set the time of the Passover, which is fulfilled in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus, but also how the seasons in the Northern Hemisphere correspond to those seasons in the church year. We begin Lent so often in a time of darkness and apparent lifelessness, only to have at the end of Lent as Easter dawns the beginning of new life, as the Easter lilies blossom and we see the new greenery all around us. So when the prophet Joel calls a fast, blow the trumpet, we have to think about how in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised incorruptible. There are 40 days in the season of Lent. The Sundays of Lent are not of Lent, but are in Lent, because every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord and a mini Easter, that Sunday when our Lord, who took upon himself the sin that separated us from God and brought death, rises from the dead never to die again. So the Lenten fast, a period of self-denial, of intensive meditation upon the catechism, upon the word of God, a season noted with intensified contrition and repentance, the old Adam in us drowns and dies for one purpose, that by the power of the resurrection, which is the forgiveness of sins, the new man might come forth and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. So as the prophet Joel says, rend your hearts and not your garments, he says, blow the trumpet, call the fast, because the trumpet announces that which is the hope of every Christian who worships Jesus, the resurrection. The power of the resurrection is the forgiveness of sins which Jesus earned for us upon the cross. Tonight we look at confession, the three questions from the catechism a fitting meditation and catechesis for the season of Lent. And those questions and their answers are before you in the handout. I'll ask you, and I invite you to respond to the questions, what is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. And second, that we receive absolution. That is, forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself, not doubting but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. I want you to notice from the catechism how the answer to the question, what is confession, dwells most on the gift of forgiveness. That's what absolution is, forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself. That forgiveness is proclaimed in preaching. That forgiveness of the Lord Jesus is proclaimed in catechesis. We teach the faith that we might learn to believe that Christ died for our sins, that we might learn to trust that his forgiveness that he earned for us upon the cross really is ours. At the heart of baptism is the outpouring of the forgiveness of sins. The cup 
of the Lord's Supper is given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. And the absolution spoken corporately to the congregation or individually to a troubled and penitent Christian has as its heart the forgiveness of sins. That's why we in the Lutheran Church retain such a thing as confession. Now, as an obligation or something that Christians are to be coerced into, but rather as an opportunity to hear the words of our Savior. I love you. I forgive you. So confession has two parts. First, that we confess, but second, that we receive absolution. And what is absolution but forgiveness? From the Lord himself through his pastor. I give you four points to meditate on under this first question. Number one, confessing sin is not only a normal part of our lives as baptized Christians. It is at the center of our lives because we follow Jesus. I want you to think of every single person that you know about in the Gospels who fell down before Jesus and worshipped him. Every single one of them worshipped Jesus because they believed and saw in Jesus the forgiveness of their sins. He and he only gave them comfort and peace. He and he only restored their life with God. And so they worshipped him. The Lutheran confessions say that the highest worship of God in all the gospel is the desire to receive the forgiveness of sins. He is the one who forgives sin. And the forgiveness that Jesus gives, and the forgiveness that comes through word that is preached and taught and through the sacraments is the forgiveness that Jesus earned upon the cross. It's not like there's different forgiveness. The forgiveness that Jesus earned by taking our sin upon himself is then distributed to us so liberally and so abundantly in the gospel and in the sacraments. Number two, what does the absolution do? Jesus' forgiveness strengthens our faith. Faith is trust. Faith is dependence. Faith is reliance. Faith is devotion. Faith is love for Jesus. Forgiveness of sins reconciles us to God. That breach that separated us from God was sin. The breach is healed by the forgiveness of Jesus, and we are in communion with God. It reconciles us to God. And Jesus' forgiveness also reconciles us to one another within the body of Christ. The forgiveness of sins teaches us how to love God. In other words, what is it that we desire from him? We don't bring our gifts to him that cause him to love us. His forgiveness, freely given by grace, is why we love him. We love God because he first loved us. The forgiveness of the Lord Jesus is at the heart of that. The forgiveness of sins also teaches us how to love one another, particularly those who have sinned against us. It teaches us how to let go of grudges. When we're struggling with the sin of others against us, what we need most is confession and absolution that we might learn to let go of those sins. The forgiveness of sins comforts our troubled consciences from the guilt, the yearning desire to be set free from the struggle. The forgiveness of sins strengthens our hope in the resurrection 
when we will once and for all be completely free from sin, when the trumpet sounds on the last day and the dead are raised and the corruptible flesh puts on incorruption and the mortal flesh immortality, the forgiveness of sins is the fountain and source of that, and it increases our hope now so that we approach that day with absolute certainty. Number three, repentance. Repentance is a faith word, and there is movement within faith, and repentance captures this. It means in this repentance that God works in our hearts, that we turn away from our sin and desire to be free of it. That's part of the new nature that conversion and faith in Christ creates. Repentance confesses sin. Repentance renounces sin. It prays for God's help to lead a holy life because we have no strength within ourselves. Repentance flees from any notion of self-reliance that I can be my own Savior to Jesus and relies exclusively upon Him for comfort and help and strength. That's what forgiveness is, and that's what repentance, the movement of repentance from self-reliance to reliance upon Jesus. Again, those people who fell down and worshipped Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. The Canaanite woman that we talked about so much in the Didache class, she had so many voices against her, but she would not let go of her Jesus because to let go of him was to let go of forgiveness. That's what repentance is. It, remo- it moves away from self to reliance upon Jesus. Number four. There are many opportunities given to us by our Lord for the confession of sin, and every one of those opportunities carries with it the promise and pledge from our Lord of forgiveness. So, for example, we confess in private prayer. The Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses. Those words are the words of God. The petition itself first carries a promise of the Lord. In other words, he would never have invited us, pray, forgive us our trespasses, if it wasn't his ardent desire to forgive. So our prayer for forgiveness rests upon the promise of forgiveness. So we confess in our private prayers We confess corporately with the congregation. It is a history in the liturgy that goes way back into the Old Testament times before the tabernacle of the Lord. We carry it on today, usually at the beginning of the divine service. Tonight, at the conclusion of the sermon, we shall confess corporately and hear the absolution spoken to each one of us individually. We confess our sins to one another within the body of Christ and within the Christian family, husbands with wives, wives with husbands, parents to children, children to parents. It is actually what binds us together in the love of Jesus. It is what teaches honor and respect in children for their parents when parents learn to confess their sins and seek the forgiveness of the little ones in their home. So there are so many opportunities for us to confess our sins Because, more than anything else, the Lord wishes us to live from his forgiveness. 
That leads us to the second question from the Catechism. What sins should we confess? Before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we are not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts. Three points of meditation on this question. Number one, in confession before God in our prayers and with the congregation corporately, we plead guilty of all sins, even those we are not aware of. This includes the confession of original sin, namely that we are sinful and that original sin has thoroughly corrupted our nature so that it is impossible for us to save ourselves. Out of this corruption, all sinful thoughts, words, and deeds flow. So you have certain passages of the scriptures. For example, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That speaks of a state of being. It's not simply that we do sinful things or have sinful thoughts, but that we are sinners, descendants of Adam. Or in Genesis, the thoughts and inclinations of man's heart are evil continuously from his youth. This, again, speaks of how our nature was corrupted by sin. Number two, private confession before the pastor is a gift from Jesus that rests upon his command to his ministers to preach the forgiveness of sins and to forgive the sins of repentant Christians who are troubled by their sins. So you know some of those mandates. When Jesus says in his resurrection appearances, preach the gospel to every creature, the gospel is the good news of Christ's forgiveness. It's as if he were saying, preach the forgiveness of sins. Martin Luther said in his Holy Week sermons for pastors that no minister should open up his mouth unless he is speaking an absolution. Indeed, he says, I wish that the absolution would be in the mouth of every Christian. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, parents to children, and so forth, within the body of Christ. The Spirit blows through that word of forgiveness. We can think of other mandates that Jesus gives to his ministers, particularly. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. All of these commands speak of Jesus' mandates, his holy orders given to his ministers. They are bound to his death and resurrection and to those commands to give his forgiveness without partiality, indiscriminately, to every repentant sinner. One of the ways that's helpful to think about absolution privately is not something that is wholly different, but rather as an extension of the sermon, where the forgiveness of sins, the gospel is preached. So if you come to the divine service, and you hear the preaching of the gospel, and you believe in the forgiveness that the pastor proclaims to you, God be praised. But sometimes it happens. You come and you hear the sermon, and you're still troubled by your sin. Does it really mean me? 
And here, private absolution is a wonderful opportunity to have Jesus' forgiveness proclaimed to you where you need it most, a private sermon, if you will, with Jesus' forgiveness at its heart. Number three, in this particular section of the catechism, we confess before the pastor that which we know and feel in our hearts. The phrase which we know and feel in our hearts describes how sin becomes known or felt in our conscience, in our hearts, in a threefold sense, by God's law that exposes sin, gives us a guilty conscience. The accusations of Satan, the name Satan means accuser, and he will come after you, accusing you of past failings, rubbing your nose in them. And it also comes from when we offend against the will of the new man. When we are converted and become Christians, one of the miracles of the Holy Spirit through the word of the gospel is that Though according to our sinful nature there is the old Adam, according to faith there is a new man. There is a new will. This is what St. Paul is talking about when he says, the good that I would I don't do and that which I would not is the very thing that I do. O wretched man that I am. He's talking about how we are given a new will. The new man desires to love God, desires to love the neighbor. So when we offend against that which we, according to the new man, desire it can trouble us in a way that other sin does not. David is speaking about this in Psalm 51 that we prayed tonight when he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with your free, your generous spirit. He speaks about how he had offended against that which he knew to be good and right and which he desired according to his faith. Finally, the third question from the Catechism on the second page of your handout. Concerning sin, which are these? Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? Three points of meditation on this question. Number one, God's law, the Ten Commandments, is the ultimate objective judge of what is sin before God. Objective versus subjective. Subjective has to do with feelings. Objective truth has to do with God's word. So back to the previous question, what we know and feel in our hearts, as powerful as that can be sometimes in exposing what the sin is, what we know and feel in our hearts must be judged on the basis of God's word rather than our feelings. So we put our feelings, what we know and feel in our hearts, to the test of the objective word of God here in this case in the Ten Commandments. And sometimes the pastor helps to 
Open up the word of God so that you understand exactly what the sin is that the absolution might hit the mark. A troubled conscience has value, therefore, insofar as it is a response to God's objective law, the objective Ten Commandments. Like Luther asks in the Christian questions, do you believe that you're a sinner? Yes, I believe it. How do you know from the Ten Commandments? These I have not kept. So it has value, what we have in our troubled conscience, insofar as it is a response to God's law and or a reaction of the new man of faith who sincerely desires to love God and his neighbor but has failed to do so. The absolution of Jesus is the only thing that can give comfort at those times. Number two, it is important to learn to understand sin. As this answer points out, in terms of our station in life and the responsibilities that God gives us in our ordinary life, in marriage, in family, in daily work. For it is here in marriage and family in, da in daily work where our faith in Jesus is to be lived out. Sometimes people think of the gift of private confession and absolution as for extraordinary times if someone has actually committed the physical act of murder. But what the catechism opens us to, up to us is the wonderful opportunity to receive this absolution as an ordinary part of life, to strengthen faith and to comfort us where we need it most. Number three, the corruption of sin shows itself in the very ordinary failings of human life. Disobedience, laziness, being hot-tempered, hurtful in our words, neglectful of our responsibilities, and the list can go on and on. So this is what makes Lent a particularly special time of a renewal in meditation upon God's word in fasting, in prayer, in study, in contrition, in repentance, in the gift of absolution. And so in the prophet Joel reading that we began tonight's catechesis with, I have underlined for you some key passages by way of summary and reminder. Turn to me with all your heart, says the Lord. That's, again, that movement of repentance. Away from self, turn to me with all your heart. In the struggle with sin, in the burdens of life, turn to me with all your heart. Rend your heart, rip your heart open. Return to the Lord. Why? Here's the promise upon which it all rests. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. So then Joel says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. That sounds like a grand celebration. Who would think that daily contrition and repentance should be announced with a trumpet of celebration? It is so because of the absolution to which all of this leads and the result of the absolution the resurrection from the dead. Blow the trumpet. Let the priests weep. 
Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. And there is no priest worth his salt who doesn't pray that prayer for his congregation. Lent is a season of renewal in the baptismal life of contrition and repentance. By God's word, the trumpet blows in the congregation, calling us to fasting, weeping, and mourning over sin. The invitation goes out daily. Turn to me with all your heart. Rip your heart open, says the Lord. Return to me, says the Lord. I am gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Because of his death for you, and for his congregation, God relents from doing harm. The punishment that we deserved fell upon Jesus. This is why the blessing of eternal forgiveness from the Lord is his gift to us. Do not turn away from him. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden under the load of sin and the struggles with it, come to me and I will give you rest. The rest of sins forgiven, the rest of divine peace, the rest of a conscience freed from guilt, the rest that comes from the certainty that I stand righteous before God for Jesus' sake. Using the language from the Sermon on the Mount in tonight's Gospel, Jesus is saying, I am your treasure. I am your righteousness, your sanctification, and your redemption. And at the end of the Ash Wednesday Gospel, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Every week throughout Lent, as we meditate upon the St. Matthew Passion, we shall gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, and together with our priests, we shall weep between the porch and the altar, saying to the Lord, spare your people, O Lord, and he will. For Jesus' sake, a broken and a contrite heart he will never despise. Let Christ's forgiveness be our life. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Gary, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peter, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Kathy, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Brian, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Russell, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mark, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Robert, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Tom, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Elias, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Nicola, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Tammy, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Wesley, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Kathy, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Rachel, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Kevin, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Barry, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. John, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Susan, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Carrie, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Keith, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cole, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jason, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Paul, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The God of peace himself sanctify you wholly and keep your spirit, soul, and body sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Peace be with you. Amen. Amen. In our prayers this evening, we especially remember the family of Paul Schmidt, friend of the congregation, longtime friend of Pat Handlos of our congregation. Paul died suddenly this morning. Let us pray for his widow and for his family and friends. O Lord our God, we acknowledge your great goodness toward us and praise you for the mercy and grace that our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and our hearts have known. We sincerely repent of our sins, pardon our offenses, correct and reform what is lacking in us, and help us during this Lenten tide to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Inscribe your law upon our hearts and equip us to serve you with holy and blameless lives. May each day remind us of the coming of the night when no one can work, in the emptiness of this present age, keep us united by a living faith through the power of your Holy Spirit with him who is the resurrection and the life, that we may escape the eternal bitter pains of condemnation. Into your hands we commend the family of Paul Schmidt. We thank you for the gift of life that you have given us in Paul, for the faith in the Lord Jesus, you worked in his heart. Comfort his widow and those who mourn his death with the forgiveness of sins and the promise of the resurrection to eternal life and a blessed reunion with those who have died in the faith. By your Holy Spirit, bless the preaching of your word and the administration of your sacraments. Preserve these gifts to us and to all Christians. Guard and protect us from all dangers to body and soul. Grant that we may, with faithful perseverance, receive from you our sorrows as well as our joys, knowing that health and sickness, riches and poverty, and all things come by permission of your fatherly hand. Keep us this day under your protective care and preserve us securely trusting in your everlasting goodness and love. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks. 
it is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabbath, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of all creation, for you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. At your command, Abraham prepared to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice on the mountain. Yet in mercy you provided a ram as a substitute. We give you thanks that on Calvary you spared not your only son, but sent him to offer his life as a ransom for many. As we eat and drink his body and blood, grant us, like Abraham our father, to trust in your promise now fulfilled in Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, grant us thy peace. Amen. 
the body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you, body and soul, in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you, body and soul, in the true faith, unto life everlasting. Depart in peace.
give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.